Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Continuing our series of podcasts called Sermon Extras, we want to look at this passage from 1 John chapter 3 that we looked at this past Sunday. And again, I want to focus on just one thing from one verse that we really didn't have enough time to focus on, and it's really important actually. It comes from 1 John 3, verses 9, and I want to read this verse, and then we'll circle our way back to the truth of it. It says this, it says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. I want to talk today about God's seed being inside of us, those who are his children, those who follow Jesus Christ, and how crucial that is. And I want to look at what the truth of what John is saying here today, and how important that is to how we function as Christians To illustrate what John is saying here, I want to open it up by sharing a little bit of a story between something that I pretended to be versus something that I actually was. And I've actually shared this story before with several of you, so you've heard it already probably, but it illustrates this point kind of well. I was in seventh grade, and back in seventh grade I told you that's when kids start to care, I think, about really being popular and being in the in crowd. And there was this one kid, this one guy in my class, it was a really cool kid, one of those edgy kids, one of those kids you you know you just knew was super cool. You know, by this point he didn't even bring a thermos and a lunch pail to school. He just carried his uh, lunch in a brown bag. I mean, he was so edgy. <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to be friends with this kid. This kid's name was Eric, and he was just a super cool kid. Well, one day uh, Eric came up to me and started talking to me, and and I was thrilled because this is exactly who I wanted to be friends with, so I could be popular. It really had nothing to do with Eric himself. It was just about status. But Eric said something to me like this. He said, so Todd, what kind of bands are you into? And back in the day, I, you know, growing up born again Christian, living on the conservative side of things, I didn't have a lot of exposure to popular current rock bands. So that was like the worst question I could possibly hear from Eric because I realized, you know, oh no, this is not going to go well if I say Steve Green or Michael Card. (laughs) So I tried to fake it. I tried to fake it in front of Eric that I actually knew a hip cool band that was out there during those days. And so I tried to fake it by saying a band name that I had heard someone say one time. And I was just hoping it would be enough to convince Eric that I actually was a fan of this band. And then he would find that really cool. And then we would be buddies or enough buddies to actually be in the in crowd. So I said to Eric, I said, yeah, you know the band I'm kind of into right now? I like this band called Airsmith. (laughs) Um, Eric goes, do you mean Aerosmith? And I said, yeah, yeah, Aerosmith. Yeah, that's what I said, Aerosmith. And so Eric, you know, his kind of feelers went up going, hmm, I'm not sure this kid is actually telling me the truth. So he decided to test me and said, Todd, what are your favorite songs from Aerosmith? And I was like, oh, no. Now I have to tell this kid a song. I, you know, I don't even know the name of the band well enough. Now I have to convince him I actually know the band by telling him a song. And I didn't know any of their songs because I didn't actually listen to Aerosmith. But uh, so I said, uh, you know what? They're all they're all so good. I can't really pick one. You know, again, trying to fake it and pretend to Eric that I actually was a fan of Aerosmith. But then he asked me a question about two songs, um, which one I liked better. I think the one was Back in Black and the other one was like uh, Welcome to the Jungle. And he said, which one do you think is the better Aerosmith song, Back in Black or Welcome to the Jungle? And I said, yeah, I think Back in Black is probably their best song. Once again, trying to fake it, just hoping he would go, oh, that's that's what I think so too, and give me a high five and we'd be friends. But Eric was testing me because he clearly knew I was not an Aerosmith fan. And he said to me, Todd, Aerosmith doesn't sing either of those songs. 
And I was like, oh, no. And I just walked away from Eric in shame because I didn't know any of Aerosmith's songs. I didn't know what their best, most popular song was. And Eric realized that day that I was a fraud. Anyways, I share that story with you to share with you this thing that it's easy today to be a cosmetic fraud imitation version of something than actually the real deal because it's not that hard to learn habits and language and behavior. It's just not. If you grow up with something, you can learn it very quickly. And unfortunately, Christianity is one of those things that you can learn the language, you can learn how to dress, you can learn how to act, at least in a superficial way, in public, but not actually have the true thing. And again, we're going to circle back to what John says here in 1 John 3. But I also thought of a few other examples, not funny things, just things that are actually true in our society of things that are people trying to make a cosmetic change, an outward change, but actually cannot change the inward reality. And here's an example of that. Everybody today, not everybody, but a lot of people today are trying to change their gender. They don't like the gender that they have grown up with. And so they want to become a different gender. So they, they actually start to dress like the other gender. A lot of them go to even the extremes of having an operation so as to actually become the gender, but it's all cosmetic. It's all surface. What you actually can't change, unfortunately, is your own DNA. God has designed us in a certain way to be a certain type of gender and sex, and that can't be changed. You can change it on the outward, you can change it in a surface, and you can practically act as if you're a different gender, but you can't actually change the reality because no one's been able to figure out how to change the DNA. Going along with the DNA thing, in a crime scene, people, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of you know old mysteries like Columbo and things like that, and so I'm, I'm familiar with this idea of someone who's committed a crime, and they don't want anyone to realize, of course, the cops, that they did commit this crime, so what they try to do is they try to clean up the evidence and erase any trace that they were actually there, but going on the DNA thing, we once we got to this part in our world where we can actually test DNA, we can actually tell, even without seeing actual evidence, that someone was there through, you know, a splat of blood that nobody saw or as small as a fingerprint or a piece of hair that they could actually take into the lab and go, yeah, you actually were there. Even though you cleaned up all the evidence, you couldn't erase the fact that your DNA was on the crime scene. So that's another example. Another one I thought of was divorce. In our day and age, I think 50% of couples get divorced. But if you know about scripture, God says what God has put together, man cannot tear apart. We try, we, we go to the law, we go to the legal process, and we get what's called a divorce certificate. And from that point on, we don't believe we're connected to that person any longer. And we can then go, you know, marry somebody else. But according to God's scripture, we can't because God makes us one flesh with the person that we marry. And God says you can't separate one flesh. It's impossible. I've made it that way. So you can, you can cosmetically change the fact that you're married. And you can practically live as if you're not married, but you actually can't change it in God's eyes. If you're married to a person and you're one flush with that person, you are married for the rest of your life. So that's another example. I'm not going to really go into divorce much here, but that's another example of this. Another one I thought of is pretending you're from a certain part of the world that you're not from. You know, we can learn different languages. We can learn even an accent of a certain part of the world. But what we can't change is our birth certificate that I know of. You can pretend you're from a certain part of the world. You can learn their language, learn their accent, learn their customs. You could pretend to be from somewhere, but you can't change the fact from where you're born. And if someone wants to do the digging and wants to get your birth certificate, you know, that was in popular culture for a while with our last president, you actually have to see where they're actually from and prove where they're from. And, you know, that's something you can't change. So you can change the cosmetic, but you can't change the reality. Just a few more. Today we live in a day and age where everybody wants to be younger, 
nobody wants to, you know, actually let people know that they're a certain age. And so they want to get wrinkle cream and cosmetic changes, things like plastic surgery. So we can convince those around us that we're actually not that old. We're not as old as we look like we are. And so if we can get wrinkle cream and plastic surgery, we can cosmetically change our age. But that doesn't change the reality that you actually are aging and closer to death. So that's another thing. And even we have these things now where, you know, there's predators on the internet pretending to be a young person in order to meet another young person and lying about their age. And you can do that on the internet in a cosmetic way. But in the reality, when that person meets that other person, you can tell that person is not a young teenager, but in fact, an old man. And so, you know, all these cosmetic changes don't change the reality. But there's one more that we need to focus on today. And this is the one that John brings out in 1 John 3 verses 9. He says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age, too, where you can cosmetically pretend to be a certain type of religion, and even a Christian, by learning the certain language and habits and practices in an outward fashion, religiously, but you actually aren't a true Christian. You actually aren't a real child of God, and that's what John is bringing up here. In the entire passage here in 1 John 3, 1-10, he's bringing up this idea of the authenticity of your true Christian faith is, comes down to what you practice. If you practice lawlessness, you're of the devil. And if you practice righteousness, you're of God. And we talked about that this past Sunday, how important it is to have the right practices to authenticate what we actually are. That's what I want to look at for the rest of our time today is the difference between religious habits, cosmetic changes versus actually the deep-seated change that only God can make. And I'm, I'm the perfect example of this. I grew up pretending to be a born-again Christian. I didn't know for a long time that I was pretending. I just learned behavior. I learned language. I learned what to say and what to do and what not to do. And it wasn't a very rebellious kid for a while. So I just kind of went along with the system. And I had everybody convinced, including myself, that I was a Christian. The problem was and is with that is it actually doesn't transform our lives. You can go on Sunday and pretend to be something. You can cosmetically look like you have it all together. But in the deep realities of your life and practices of your life, you're still practicing lawlessness. And that's what John is trying to bring out from this passage is that you and I, if we practice lawlessness, we're still of the devil. And that's the biggest problem imaginable is that we're not of God. We're on the devil's side and we're headed the wrong way. And unless that changes, we're going to spend an eternity away from God. And so John doesn't want that to happen. So he brings this up in verse nine. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? Because God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. John's saying it's an impossibility. If you're actually born of God, which means God's seed, spiritual life, his Holy Spirit has come inside of you, it's an impossibility for you not to be changed. It's an impossibility for you and I to continue to practice the sin that we once did because God has come upon us. God has come into us. And that change is profound and permanent. And so John is saying, listen, if you're still practicing lawlessness, you're not a Christian. You can't be a Christian because God doesn't let his people practice lawlessness. It's impossible. When you slip and when you misstep and when you fall and get into a season that you're not supposed to be in, God quickly chastens you and disciplines you to let you know that that's not right. You can't live that way. The fact that he's doing that is the proof that we are of him. But if you and I can practice lawlessness, without chastening, without discipline. We can do it as a habit and a theme of our life. Even if we're cosmetically acting like we're a Christian, then we're not a Christian. We're not. Because it's an impossibility for someone to practice lawlessness and to be born of God at the same time. 
And I don't know if a lot of people believe that today. You know, we have a weird theologies out there that are saying today that, yeah, you're born of God, you can have Christ's righteousness upon your account, and it can make very little to no difference in how you live. All you have to do is say that you're a Christian and that you believe in Jesus, and regardless of how you live, you're going to go to heaven. I think that's a really dangerous doctrine because John and all of Scripture basically tells us we have to have a inward, profound, dynamic rebirth in order to be a Christian. And God's the only one who can produce that. But unless that actually transpires and happens, we won't actually be God's child. And therefore, we can't actually practice the right things. What we can do is we can cosmetically change the outward look of it. We can learn things to do in public. We can learn things to say in public. But what we can't do is say no to the flesh. We can't say no to the devil. We can't stop practicing sin unless God's seed has been planted in us. And if and when it has, the opposite is true. We can't not practice righteousness. We must practice righteousness. We can't practice lawlessness any longer. And that's what John is trying to bring out to say, listen, again, what you practice is what you are. And you can go today, well, I don't think I'm practicing righteousness. I'm going to just try harder. But that's not the goal because cosmetic changes is not going to be enough. You need the true gospel to take shape in your life and your soul. And that can only be done by looking and turning to Jesus Christ. But once you do that, once you do that, you are a new person. And you may not have a fuzzy feeling come over you or a light shine on you from heaven, but wow, everything will change. Your desires will change. Your loves will change. Your hates will change. And most importantly, your practices will change because it's an impossibility for them not to change. That's what John is saying. Today, we're all trying to cosmetically prove to others, like I was trying to prove to that guy, Eric, in my seventh grade, that I was a fan of Aerosmith. And today, we're trying to pretend that we're all a fan of Jesus Christ and we follow him. Nobody's asking questions. Everyone's convinced that we're Christians and they're Christians. But what are we doing in the practices and themes and secret places of our lives? Because whatever you do in those times is what you really are. And that's sobering. But I had to face that when I was in my mid-20s to say, I am practicing lawlessness. Why is that? Why am I allowed to continue to practice lawlessness? And I was just trying to figure that out and trying to make myself not that way. But what I really needed was the gospel. What I really needed was to trust in Jesus Christ for the first time and to turn away from my sins and say, you and I are done. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ now. When that happens, I changed. I became a new person. My practices, although it's a maturation process and it does take a lifetime to be completed, the practices do change. The sins go away. The loves for those sins go away. The themes of your life all become different. And so the question for you and I today is, what are our practices? What are we practicing? What are we doing? Again, in the private times of your life, that's the best test. Not the public, because the public can be faked, but the private can't be faked. What you are, what you think about, what you love, what you do is what you are. And if we're not yet God's child, we must become God's child. And we must go to Jesus Christ in order for that to happen. Because Christ is the only one who can make that a reality. I hope you'll listen to this today, and I hope you'll not be tricked and deceived by the devil into thinking that you're still a lawless person, but actually say today, I actually follow Jesus Christ because of my practices. And the devil can deceive you another way, too. If you actually are practicing righteousness, he wants to convince you that he still owns you, and you don't need to listen to that either, because what you practice is what you are. What you practice is what you are. 
look at the themes and the habits and the practices of your life and come to the conclusion today that you actually have been born again, or if you're not, if righteousness is just simply not a part of your life, go to Christ today for the first time and confess your sins, repent of your sins, and throw yourself upon the mercy of Jesus Christ. And he will save you. He will make you new. He will change your heart and your practices will therefore change as well. I hope that's a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.